This is the Shrimps Verdict podcast. All opinions expressed to those of the individual contributors and not necessarily those of either Morecambe Football Club or of Beyond Radio. Every kick, every game, every goal. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. and then Splick on Rob McDonald wins that aerial battle Rawson gets the chipping wedge out towards Mellon who wins the flick on blocks and tries to just go up and over Matty folds in close attention blocks and gets the ball across McKinnon can't quite tap it in in the edge of the six yard area and that was lovely play by blocks and down the right hand side and McKinnon couldn't quite provide the finishing touch throws it down to the feet of George Thompson First time towards the right-hand side, Toby Sims gets the ball across as well, Thompson under his spelt, turns and shoots, and that's a great one-handed save by Stuart Moore, away to his right-hand side, and that's the closest either side of come, but the referee on the rebound there, puts the whistle to his lips and has awarded Harrogate Town a penalty. Goodness me. It was following with the follow-up, blasting it against the Morecambe player, and referee Ross Joyce puts his arm in the air, points to his forearm, and says the Morecambe player handled that ball in the penalty area. A great initial save from Thompson's left-footed effort, down to Stuart Moore's right-hand side, and the follow-up blocked inside the penalty area, unfairly said the referee. And in the 20th minute, Harrogate Town have the opportunity to take the lead from the penalty spot. And it's last season's Harrogate Town top scorer, Luke Armstrong with the responsibility from the spot, drills it low into the bottom right-hand corner of Stuart Moore's net. Shrimp's keeper went the right way, but it was too far in the corner. And Harrogate's top scorer from last season, 16 goals last time out, opens his account for this season from the penalty spot. It's a contentious decision. There are a couple of yellow cards being brandished as well for Morgan players protesting the decision. It matters not. Referee Ross Joyce pointed to the spot. Armstrong, clinical from 12 yards to make it Harrogate Town 1, Morecambe 0. And following on the left-hand side can pick the ball up on the second phase. Cuts in field. Little dink ball towards the far post where Luke Armstrong heads it narrowly wide of the far post. Following again, left-hand side is going to try and motor past Farron Rawson and does go past Rawson. Gets the crossing as well where it's pandemonium inside the penalty area. Neither team can really get the foot on it. In fact, Armstrong, second time in 60 seconds. And that time, drills his left-footed effort just wide of Stuart Moore's left-hand post. Heads it towards Jake Taylor, headed away from the edge of the penalty area. Senior picks it up again. Badeau staying. Badeau with a snapshot from 25 yards out, not a million miles away. But it goes harmlessly wide. There goes back to Eli King's. Got a yard to get a right-footed cross in. It's over. Michael Mellon, Songo keeps it alive, blocks him with the volley and it's not far wide. Rawson gets himself in a tangle there and that is going to be a free kick to Harrogate and I think that's probably the right decision as Farron Rawson is still on a heap in the ground. He took the ball on his chest and well, just made a real meal of that clearance. And do you know what? Farron Rawson might be in a bit of trouble here because he's booked. He's booked already, is Farron Rawson. That is a yellow card for the offence. And referee Ross Joyce has sent Farron Rawson off. It's going from bad to worse here for Morecambe. And that is as soft a red card as you will ever, ever see. 
He was shown a yellow card in the first half for dissent after the penalty decision. And he's been shown a second yellow card there. He made a real mess of the clearance. It was under no real pressure. He tried to take the ball down on his chest. And then the ball just got away from him and he allowed it to get away, left his foot in. And it's a long walk back to the tunnel, which is behind the goal that Morecambe are attacking in this second half. Farron Rawson off for two yellow cards. Morecambe down to 10 men. And it was silly. It was avoidable. Both of Rawson's yellow cards eminently avoidable. And in the 65th minute, Harrogate have a free kick here, 25 yards out in a central position, which is going to be taken right-footed up and over the wall. And that is a beautiful free kick into the top corner from George Thompson to ram home the advantage for Harrogate Town. They'd not won for three games in League Two before this afternoon. A silly, needless free kick given away by Farron Rawson. He sees red for his second yellow card, but that is a beautiful free kick from George Thompson. Right-footed, you could see it coming a mile off, over the wall and into the top right-hand corner of Stuart Moore's net to make it Harrogate Town 2, Morecambe 0. And hats off to George Thompson. A beautifully executed free kick, you have to say. Right into the postage stamp, into the top bins of Stuart Moore's right-hand corner. Nothing the Morecambe keeper could have done to keep that out. But it was a free kick, which frankly, we did not need to concede in the first place. Oh, that's a beautiful effort from Adam there from all of 25 yards. He opened his senior scoring account against Harrogate last season in the Papa John's Trophy. That was destined for the top corner from the second phase of the corner. And that's a good tip over from Oxley. Might fall for Bloxham. Ball not dead. Bloxham chips it towards the back post. Slew lurking with intent. Can he get a, a shot in? He can get a shot in as well. And it flashes across the face of goal. And that sums up Morecambe's day, unfortunately. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimps' verdict on Beyond Radio. In the seventh minute of the six, added on at the end of the game. And the referee, Ross Joyce, brings proceedings to a close here at the Environment Stadium this Saturday afternoon. And it's another very poor day at the office away from home for Morecambe. Not helped by two crucial refereeing decisions that swung the game in the favour of Simon Weaver's Harrogate Town. The first one was a penalty on 19 minutes. George Thompson, who showed his quality throughout the afternoon, a pile driver with his left foot, which was well saved, away to Stuart Moore's right-hand side. Second phase, Sam Follerin blasted it in towards the Morecambe penalty area. No real appeals from players or fans around us here in the main stand, but the referee, Mr Ross Joyce, put the whistle to his lips and pointed to the penalty spot. And it was Luke Armstrong, scorer of 16 league, got two goals for Harrogate last season, who blasted it low and hard into Stuart Moore's right-hand corner. Shrimps keeper went the right way, but the penalty was very well struck indeed. Tom Bloxon looked bright, he had a volley wide of the mark. Jacob Badeau also had an effort off target, 
but in fairness, we didn't really test the keeper, Mark Oxley, enough in either half. Second, really, really crucial decision midway through the second half as Morton's assistant manager, John McMahon, still protesting on the halfway line with the referee. And it was a free kick given on the edge of the box. Now, Farron Rawson had been booked in the first half for his protestations after the awarding of that penalty and that was going to come back to haunt him because on 66 minutes a routine clearance really Fatty's is going to be gutted that he made a mess of it on the edge of the box just tried to chest it down to get the ball under his control but allowed the ball to slip away from him and that allowed the Harrogate town man to nip the ball in and he just left his foot in there did Faz on the edge of the box conceded the free kick and the second one it was a soft yellow but it probably was a caution but if he'd have kept his mouth shut in the first half, he wouldn't have had the second caution and he wouldn't have been sent off midway through the second half. And that led to George Thompson curling a delicious, a delightful free kick in. You have to give credit where it's due to the Harrogate Town midfielder who showed his class, put it right in the postage stamp, right in the top bins of Stuart Moore's top right-hand corner. The double Harrogate's advantage and seal the points on the day Morecambe's away day woes go on just two away wins all season last time it's two defeats out of two to start the League 2 campaign as well and given all of the optimism after the Bradford City 3-0 victory last Saturday we did come here with hope that we could get a good result but it wasn't to be against Harrogate team who lost three League 2 games on the spin ahead of this game this Saturday afternoon we've got to do something I don't know what we do is it psychological do we change the mindset do we change the personnel I don't know it's a real quandary for Derek Adams this one as we head towards a couple of big away games in a couple of weeks time Barrow and then Gillingham away from home in a few weeks before that the visit of Salford City next Saturday afternoon to the Mazuma Mobile Stadium Away day blues for the shrimps once again here in Yorkshire this afternoon. But manager Derek Adams, I suspect he's not going to be too pleased with the referee for the two decisions, the two key decisions as well that went against us this afternoon. But ultimately, we didn't get enough efforts on target. We didn't show enough in the final third, just that Adam Mayer effort late on, which was well tipped over the bar. The sum total of our efforts on target. Well, Derek, a 2-0 defeat at Harrogate today. Just overall your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I thought we started the game very well. We started the better of the two teams. Um, we got into some nice areas and, uh, you know, we were unfortunate a number of times not to have got uh, a clear sight of goal. Um, in the first half, we have to take off JJ McKernan with a head knock. He got an elbow to his head and, and he's had to go off at 0-0, which, you know, was hugely disappointing for us, but... Um, the incident was missed by the referee uh, and his uh, assistants at the time, so that probably could have been a red card for uh, Harrogate in the first half. And then the referee gives a penalty uh, to Harrogate, which um, we've seen in the video footage, um, it looks like it has come off uh, Rawson's chest rather than what the referee seems to think it was his arm. Uh, the referee doesn't have the greatest view uh, of the incidents because he's in a diagonal from it and uh, he's, he's maybe blinded, but he feels that uh, he's given the decision as a penalty and they score from it. So that gives Harrogate a lift because we were well in the game up to then. Uh, second half, 
Um, we have to make a couple of substitutions because of uh, injury, but also because um, we felt that one of the, the centre-halves who'd been on a booking, who both got booked in the incident for the penalty kick, um, and we took off Jacob Badu. Possibly got the wrong one. We could have taken off Rawson, but uh, that's in hindsight. Uh, and then they scored directly from the incident where uh, we give a free kick away to make it 2-0. Other than that, we worked ever so hard with 10 players to, to try and get back in the game, but really um, it was a difficult afternoon for us. You say with hindsight because Farron got sent off where he was on the yellow card, got a second yellow card, which in itself looked a bit 50-50. Yeah, I mean, I mean there was a number of incidents in the game where they could have been booking for many players, but... Uh, you know, he chose to, to book him for the incident. He felt that he was fouled in the incident first, but um, the referee chose to give him a double booking. Unfortunately, well, that's two away defeats in a row now. Farron uh, suspended for next week. Chris Stokes came in today. First time we've seen him for much of the season. Uh, very experienced man who can come in for you next week. Yeah, I mean, we've obviously um, got that, and uh, he's. You know, come on late on in the game, and we changed a, a few things in the the 90 minutes. We got you know players an opportunity to play today, but um, in the end, um, we we haven't done enough to win the game today, uh, and we just feel that maybe some major decisions in the game haven't gone for us. We had a few chances towards the end. Adam May forced a great save from the keeper. Jordan still had a chance towards the end. Maybe if he got one, it just might have made a little bit of a difference towards that final 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have. I think that you know, with the 10 men, you know, for that. 30 minutes, 20 minutes, we definitely you know, kept on pushing and pushing, but uh, unfortunately for us, um, it wasn't enough and we couldn't get that you know, one goal to give them a scare. Just almost a week now to go towards the transfer deadline. I know we've asked a few times, but uh, how are you progressing with that? Yeah, we've still got the, you know, two players to try and take in uh, to bolster our squad and uh, we've got a week to do that before the Salford game. Have you got... Clear targets or plan A or plan B, depending on what happens as it goes as week goes progresses. With Morecambe, it's plan Z, X, Y, it's all these things. Um, as you know, um, it, it is difficult. You mentioned JD McKeon, then he was caught by a flaying elbow. No decisions were made, but, but how is he? Because he did look a bit gingerly as he walked off. Yeah, he's got a big lump in the side of his head, uh, and that doesn't come with fresh air. Uh, you know, he took a sore one the player was trying to get away and uh, you know his his elbow has you know got, made its way into his forehead and unfortunately um, you know we had to take him off right away last away game was a 3-0 defeat at Mansfield but he got a response for the home game he's back at home next week looking for the same yeah I mean obviously we've had uh, two wins a draw and two defeats uh, in our first five games so and we've obviously gone away to uh, Rotherham as well but this afternoon it was difficult when you know you lose that goal. The players felt hard done to, as you can see. You know after the game, it hasn't got any better. Just going to pull you back there on the, the transfer targets. Anywhere, anywhere in mind, any certain positions that you've got keyed up, lined up? We do, yeah. We, we, we obviously um, we have to look at defensively and uh, in attack, and uh, they're the two areas where um, you know we don't have enough numbers at this moment in time. Again today, Tom Bloxham started off really well. Michael Mellon, again, showed some good touches. A good effort from 30 yards, it wasn't too far wide. They're giving you the role, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, we've got a young squad and, uh, you know, they're you know, working ever so hard and they just kept on going to the, to the final whistle today. You couldn't ask for, for any more effort from them uh, towards the end of the game. Well, Jacob, a 2-0 defeat today at Harrogate Town. Just, uh, just generally your, your thoughts on the game as it went to you. 
Yeah, um, I think we started okay. Um, it was kind of, we had a, a few chances to, to get into their final third, a few corners and, and stuff. And then I think, um, obviously, the, the decision to give the penalty, um, a questionable one. Um, and then um, the game kind of swings after that in the first half. Um, and then second half, it was it was kind of 50-50. Um, and then again, um, the free kick, questionable. Um, and they go and score that, and and it's it's a two 0 game from from two, um, a free kick and a penalty. Um, so so we're a little bit disappointed. I think we're disappointed in the way we played as well. I think we've got to be much better away from home, um, and um, we have to have to improve on that fast. Yeah, two away games so far, two defeats. Similar to last year, the away form wasn't great, was it? And something we've got to look at. Yeah, it's, it's something we can't we can't have again this season. Um, obviously, we want to be up there in the league this year. As a team, we believe in ourselves and, and we're letting ourselves down away from home at the moment. So it's something we need to look at um, going forward because at home we're, we're really good and then we come away and, and we look a bit flat and, and that needs to change and we've, we've got plenty more away games to go and change that and it has to happen fast. That's the only way you can get consistency as well, isn't it? Which is so important at this level, just if you get the away form as well as the home form. Points away, every point away is a good point if you can win at home. Exactly. Um, do you know, we're, we're a very good team at home and we need to keep that going. And, and then away from home, like I said, we just we need to, to improve, get on top of the game and, and do the things we do at home that get us the results there. You've got a good parts you found, Ross. It's been building over the, over the last year or so, but you'll miss him next week to suspension. But... I can't help but feel sorry for him today. He won the penalty, the handball, which was harsh. And then the second booking, which led to the second goal, was probably even harsher for me. Yeah, I think... Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure about how our refereeing is going with the new rules coming in, because I think his first yellow card's not for the penalty, it's for the for going up to the ref to speak to him. I think you have to be able to speak to referees. Um, and... If you can't speak to a referee on the pitch, I get it if you go and screaming and shouting at him, but if you can't go and speak to a referee, then, then I think the rules have to, have to change. And um, like I said, some of, the, some of the decisions today, on another day, they don't go that way. Um, but, you know, hopefully in the season you get some and you don't get some. Um, and hopefully we can, we can get those decisions to go our way as well throughout the season. To your credit today, you kept going right to the end and had a couple of good chances. You had a long range effort that wasn't too far wide. The two chances in the last five minutes, which could have changed things a little bit. Yeah, I think the most disappointing thing about today is the game was there for us, to be honest. I think if we could have just lifted our levels that 10-15% more, um, I, think, I think the game's there for us. I mean, it's nil-nil if you take out the, the free kick and the penalty. And um, we had a couple of chances. Mike's had a few in, in the box. Um, and yeah I've, I'm, the most disappointing thing is I think it was very plausible that we could go and get three points here today so I think it's just a disappointing one Back to it next week back at home you, you'll be glad to be back at the Mizuma and hopefully another performance like last week Yeah we need a, um, a turnaround we need to show that we're a lot better than what we showed today um, and obviously at home we've been good so far this season um, Salford are going to be a decent team um, so it's not going to be an easy game, but we need to, to show that we're, 
we've got a fortress at home and we can go and get three points and then build on that going into the next away game we have. Thanks for downloading episode 122 of the Shrimps Verdicts podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. This is Dave Salmon. Uh, always appreciate your ears, of course, all of the episodes available wherever you get your pods from, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the podcast section of our website too at beyondradio.co.uk. Onwards we go then, back to the Mazuma Mobile Stadium on Saturday for the visit of Salford City. Ahead of the game, I've been talking to uh, Salford superfan Danny Shepherd. Danny is the host of the One Up Front, the Salford City podcast. Search for that mostly on Spotify, but if you go onto uh, any online channel, search One Up Front Salford, you'll see it there. And it's a proper tactical, analytical-based podcast. And the ideal man to get the full lowdown on Neil Woods' head of their trip to the Mazuma this coming Saturday and if you're not going down to the game full match commentary as ever will be on Beyond Radio on our FM and DAB Plus digital radio services and also via I Follow Shrimps the whole game live in League 2 from just before 2.55 I look forward to your company then Danny thanks for jumping on our podcast really appreciate your time mate before we get going about the game on Saturday uh, tell us everything we need to know about one up front yeah, I mean, it's been going for just under kind of it's two halves of seasons, quite a lot of last season and the first four games um, of this. And it's just, um, I used to write really long um, blog posts for the message board and I just thought, well, maybe make it a bit more accessible. Um, it's, it's highly tactical, but it, for me, it's about kind of sharing what I think the indicators are um, of where our trends are performance wise and it, it's going down quite well it's growing week by week so I'm really pleased how it's going and uh, it is like you say it's a proper in-depth analysis podcast isn't it so yeah. from a I suppose fans of both Salford and opposition can get a real real feel for where the squad and the team is at at that any given moment uh, yeah, I'm, I'm worried sometimes about potentially giving the game away you know what I mean of kind of giving away our secret sauce because um I do think that, you know, if you watch your team game in, game out, you can see every little nuance. And, and I put all of that into each episode, anything I spot. And the best place to get that is uh, Spotify. But if you simply Google one up front, Salford City, all the links to wherever you can find it come up, Danny. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I did try to get it on other, other providers, but I've, I've not had much success. And I think the Google feed um, tends to take a few days to come through rather than actually the Spotify one, which is normally within about 10 minutes of me actually releasing it. Which I suppose is the whole idea. If you're doing it the day after a game, you want it sort of instantaneous, yeah. don't you, really, from that point of view? So search for that. Uh, you can listen back to uh, through past episodes, and it, it is a real good tactical analysis of, of our opposition on Saturday. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of that, Danny, I need to ask you firstly, why Salford City? Why are you a Salford fan? Oh, I've, I've been around the houses in my me, in me supporting career. I, I mean, my dad brought me up as a staunch Oldham fan. Um, I got me a season ticket for many, many, many years. Uh, but I've been living, uh, when I got married, I, I live in Eccles and um, it, it's within walking distance. And just when you go to a club for the first time, um, you know that it, it matters. And ever since then, my love has just grown and grown and grown. And just I watch I watch it and um, produce content in such detail that my love just grows every single week. Now, last time I went to Moore Lane was back in the days of uh, Northern Premier Division 1, I think it was. I think uh, back then we're talking about, I don't know, 
maybe what 10 11 12 years ago perhaps and and Salford were bottom of the Northern Premier Division 1 at the time obviously different ownership different financial circumstances I remember sitting on what was basically a stone bench in the main stand uh, more lane but uh, since then I mean wow what a transformation over the last few years well, I remember going the, um, the, the the team I missed out that I kind of followed in between when I used to live in a different area of Bolton was Ratcliffe Borough and they used to play Salford City quite a lot and I, I always felt that the more lane as was when we used to go felt a bit like a Russian athletics stadium um, of the like 1940s so yeah I, I totally understand where you're coming from though so it's, it's, it's massive difference um, and it's it's to be honest it's still a little bit too big for our fan base um, I think because our fan base isn't growing um, I think we can hold about five or six and we only normally get less than 3,000. So it's it's not ideal for us, but it's a lovely little ground and a, and a lovely lovely place for me to go each week. And uh, I suppose that's what you want, isn't it? And, and you buy in from the owners. And, and where, where do you stand on the ownership uh, situation? I, I suppose you, you, at the moment you are loving life in, in, in that regard. Um, to, to be honest, it's, you know, it's been... There's a lot of rumours amongst the fan base because we don't really know... Um, you know who's done what over the, over time. I know I know Gary Neville had a much bigger role than I think he stepped away almost completely now, and Nicky Butt is doing far more of the day to day stuff. Um, for them to do what they've done and to pump as much money in collectively, um, along with I think the Singapore beat uh, Peter Lim, I think is involved. I think it, it's only for the good. Um, but we're at a point now where we've we've kind of flatlined the last few years, and fans are thinking we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We can see. We can see the next division, but it's just not happening. So you see that exponential rise through non-league. Obviously, we watched the documentary on the telly and, and everybody knows about Salford's ups and downs and eventually making it into League Two. But like you say, you, you, you've gone plateaued out a bit, haven't you, in the last few seasons? Definitely. Why is that? Has, has the money dried up? Is there less in the budget? Or, or is it simply a case that League Two is a bit tougher than you might have thought when you got promotion? This is a good, good question. Um, I, for, for me, I think it's a case of there's been, up until um, Neil Wood, our current manager, has been brought in, I think there was a case of uh, too much ripping it up and starting again virtually uh, every season. Sometimes we'd have had multiple managers in the same season, which never allows you to actually take the baby steps forward you need to to grow. So I think now uh, we've got a manager. And I, th- I think the fact he's got Man United connections, uh, Neil Wood, being the ex um, under twenty threes coach, that there's there's a there's a trust and relationship there with the with the class of ninety two owners that means trust on both sides and, and they seem to be working more harmoniously than especially under the last manager, um, who I think now is somewhere in Scotland. So uh, Gary Boyer. Uh, I nearly forgot him though. Disrespect, but apologies. Well, you, you, you had the likes of Gary Bowie, who, who was a proven uh, manager getting promotion with Blackpool out of League Two not a, a very long time ago. Uh, Richie yeah. Wellens, Graham Alexander, these coaches with proven record, and some of them have then gone on to get promotion with other clubs. Was it yeah. a case of the, the, the trigger was being pulled a bit too soon? And, and would one of those more experienced managers ultimately have got you promoted if they'd have had more of a chance? Um, I would, I mean, I look at those two that you mentioned, uh, Wellens, I think for some reason, I think there was a personality clash there, not necessarily much with the owners as maybe with the players. Um, cause I think the football that he plays is, is, is what the owners wanted. They wanted someone who keeps it on the floor, uh, which, and I think the, the philosophy, um, conflict between 
Gary Boyer and the owners was that he wanted to launch it to a target man from minute one to minute 90. And, and Neil Wood is the remedy to that. Neil Wood is a um, back to kind of attacking football. Um, if only we could kind of, um, if we committed a bit more to like pressing a bit further up the field, I'd love it. But we are an attacking team. We do have a lot of technically skilled players for this division, I would say. It's it's certainly the leap, isn't it? And I suppose Neil Wood is one of those, I suppose you would call it the new breed of, of, of younger up and coming coaches with that modern philosophy. And I suppose from your point of view, Danny, you hope that that's going to be the solution to promotion. Yeah, to, to me, um, as I said, I've watched a lot of teams over the years and I watch a lot of football outside um, going to, to, to games at, at Salford. But I feel I've learned so much from watching how he tactically um, adapted over the last, call it, 18 months um, that, you know, he's not got probably the the biggest budget. Um, we spent a lot on wages and things, but I, I just think that when something's not working, even though it might be a tactic that he's attached to as, as our head coach, stroke manager, he's dispensed with it and he's moved on. And so I think that kind of... Um, that ability to do that and not being precious, I think it really bodes well for the future. Let's look at this season then, Danny, if we may. And uh, for both yeah. clubs, really, it's uh, uh, certainly not been a bad start to the campaign. Seven points from the opening four games. Usual caveat that we're talking uh, before our respective games on Saturday against Harrogate and uh, Accrington Stanley, respectively. But for the first four league games, uh, it, it's not been too bad at all, really, as a start. From the from the Salford angle, um, it's 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 this, it's kind of the same old story um, of in, inconsistency that we we look like world beaters. Um, I think against Forest Green, we look really good against Preston that we put out of the cup, and then we take nose dives in games against Grimsby, um, and then we look good again against Tranmere. So I'm hoping there is something in the background that can make our level of performance more sustainably high rather than so up and down. And it's those uh, those early points on the board, I suppose, isn't it, that stand you in good stead because you, you know you're going to go through a, a tough period at some point during the season because every side does. But early points on the board could make the difference between being in that top seven or, or just missing out. It's a great point you make because last season, when I think about it, I was, our really good start meant that when we had an absolute crash, probably... Um, don't know just around the quarter mark of last season that we didn't really drop out of the promotion places or at least the playoff places so I'm hoping again we've learned from that um, but whether I get to mention it later on or not I think we have a very we have a very very good starting lineup a very good 11 but we have a very very thin squad and I don't think Neil Wood likes to sure out the minutes too much but I do hope that we maybe bring in some signings even if on loan to just make sure that by the end of the season we've not got dead legs on our hands Let's drill down into that uh, that team and that squad then, Danny. Uh, if we made a caveat, of course, by the time people listen to this, you may well have signed a couple of players for the end of the, the transfer yeah. window and, and, and it's sod's law that that's probably going to happen. But uh, we'll go with what we've got at this uh, this moment in time. Tell us everything we need to know then about uh, a current Salford City team, formation, style of play. What do we need to know? Okay, um, I'll just I'll just quickly kind of move past last season and say that last season was essentially a four-two-three-one. Uh, we played with that from match week eighteen until the end of the season, and I think that's one of the reasons why we ended up 
probably not been able to get over the line in the playoffs because we became too predictable. Um, we've switched that this season. So again, Neil Wood has shown his adaptability that he can evolve. Um, he switched it to back three, um, which to me looks like a variant of a 3-4-3. Um, and the most fascinating thing to me is how it's going to work out is, is what he's going to do with possibly our most valuable asset, which is our... It was a right winger last year. He's called Luke Bolton, who we got um, as a young player from Man City. Probably the fastest player in the league that I've seen. Um, absolutely rapid. But we're actually playing him because of the formation as a wing back rather than a winger. So if we can possibly, if we can, if it, either he can adapt to that role or we can slightly switch formation, Luke Bolton can destroy teams on his own if we use it the right way. Apart from Luke Bolton, then Danny, where, where do we where, where do we look? What are the the players wants to watch? Uh, tell us everything else we need to know. Um, you, you may you may have noticed that last year Elliot Watt, who's uh, currently got some, I think he's had an appendix uh, illness and he's out for a few weeks. Elliot Watt was like one of the highest assist makers in all four divisions. So when he comes back, um, he's going to be a regular starter. And he's he's not just a contributor in terms of assists. So it's not really goals, but mainly assists. It's, it's the leadership that he provides. Um, the other signing um, that I think could be a really strong one, although he's played slightly out of position when I've seen him, is Asama Ashley we brought in um, in the off-season. We've played him as, as almost... Um, a an advanced midfielder when I, I believe he's much better as a defensive midfielder. So if you, if you look at those three, our strengths, I believe, alongside, I, I, I will never forgive myself for not mentioning Callum Hendry as our hardest working player in the team and our most technically skilled player in the forward line. They, they, they're the highlights. And you look at Callum Hendry, he's already scored uh, some goals this season, hasn't he? Caught, caught the eye already. He he looks, is he your main goal threat, would you say? Or or do Matt Smith and, and Conor McElhenney and others, are they chipping in as well? Um, to, 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 to kind of uh, slightly skip over those two, Matt Smith to me is a decoy. If, if he does play, which I don't think Neil would want him to, because I don't think Neil would want um, that kind of shadow of the, of the Boyer regime. Um, hanging over um, but he, he understands that in this league against certain opposition you need a big lad to hit the ball up to every now and again but Matt Smith I don't think will be anywhere near our top scorer um, Conor McElhenney is probably the most com- well, he is the most complete forward we've got but he goes missing for sometimes a month at a time in terms of on the pitch you just don't notice him then he'll get three goals in a row and then he'll go missing again so we've got a lot of variety up front um, but I think in terms of application uh, and performance week in, week out. Even though he's not the quickest, I would say Callum Hendry's tops for that. And a couple of uh, former Blackpool players at the back. One I know uh, from a previous life uh, very well indeed. Uh, Curtis Tilt, he's been around the block a bit. Uh, when he was at Blackpool, they called him uh, Tiltadinho because he used to like, love bringing the ball out from the back and dribbling around players. And uh, at League Two, he, he should be hope, one of the best central uh, defenders in the division. He still does do that. Um, I'm still getting used to his his uh, how much he embraces risk um, playing as like a, a in a, in a back three. But yeah, he, he's I like the fact that he brings the ball out and he takes responsibility. And I like the fact that because he's in a back three with two of the centre halves that he can play as a stopper where he'll actually come out of the back line and challenge the ball. Because our other two um, defenders, uh, Adrian Mariapa, uh, ex-Premier League, I think Crystal Palace and Theo Vassell, they tend to like just staying around the penalty area, but he is quite front-footed, is Curtis Till. I'm quite impressed. 
and Adrian Barriap have been around the block. He's, yeah. he's, he's got a few miles on the clock, hasn't he? So, but I suppose you need that, that, that mixture of, of youth and experience in the team. There's been, for me, in our back line this, this year, there's been, um, what, what is it, um, addition by subtraction. So we've lost one centre-half who played virtually all our games last season. And no offence to him, but it, it was a player that I felt was um, exposed a lot regularly, and that was Ryan Leake. And so the fact that we've now got a strong three um, of Tilt, uh, Mariapa and Vassell, I think we are better um, right across the board than we were this time last year. Oh, he's 37, I've just checked, so uh, there you go. So oh, he's, okay. he's got, I mean, he's still knocking on a bit, but in football in terms, yeah. but, I mean, he's, he's, he's still, I've still got quite a few years on him, unfortunately, but there you go. Um, so it, it sounds to me, yeah, un- unfortunately, um, sounds to me then, Danny, is if you've got, uh, you've got quality all over the park, early days in the campaign, of course, but uh, mm. how optimistic are you in what is a super competitive league to this campaign that uh, you can be there or thereabouts? Okay, because um, I've been thinking about this in terms of what can we achieve that, as I mentioned or referenced before, I think our starting 11 is stronger, but we've already had um, an injury to one of our uh, big hitters in, El- in Elliot Watt. Um, Osama Ashley was suspended for a red card. So, you know, and injuries are always going to happen with a very, very small squad. So I, I think we are easily, on, on a good day, which I hope is is, is most weeks, we can beat anyone uh, and we, we are probably one of the best two or three teams in the division. That's not me just saying that blinkered. I can be negative about my own team. But if if we end up being very predictable to play the same formation every single week, play the same 11 players who end up, um, you know, on, on, on the on the, on the the surgeon's table um, mid-season, then we'll be in problems. But we are easily good enough, I think, to challenge for a promotion place. Is it fair to say that League Two this season is, if not the most competitive it's ever been, certainly that, that there is getting on for at least the most money that has ever been in the division with the teams that have come up, the teams who have come down and the teams who haven't got promotion, such as yourselves? I, I know you're, you're probably going to say that you're not one of the biggest spenders this season, uh, but overall it seems compared to when we got promoted uh, three seasons ago, the quality seems to have gone up to another level entirely again. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, what, let's, say, let's just say this. I'll say that we have one advantage. We brought in a few players, but I think we've run it back. Um, far, there's been more continuity in our playing squad this season um, than there has been in many se- in, in, in virtually any season, I think, while we've been in League Two. And, and as much as that might seem like a negative... I think there's going to be less bedding in period and less kind of people finding the feet than maybe for some other clubs who who've splashed the cash. So that's my hope anyway. So you're on for promotion. Is that top three or is that top seven? <laughs> it could be either. It's the <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde situation. It could be, depends which side of the bed we wake up on. Um, I think we could, at times last season, we looked like we could have walked promotion just easily walked it and then suddenly we had uh, we had spells last year about six or seven games upward tangent and then we took a, a massive dip when other teams figured us out and we had to react to that I'm just hoping that we can we can react quicker in the moment because we again we've got a relatively rookie and I don't mean that in that offensive way head coach um, who I, I've even seen it with Arteta that new new head coaches tend to struggle with things like um bit of man management and some of the things like even timing of substitutions and changing a game on the fly. So fingers crossed that it'll all work out. 
let's talk very briefly, Danny, if we may, about the rule changes this season. Everybody's had lots of fun with uh, the stoppage time and people being booked for all sorts of weird and wonderful things where you've got a player booked on the opening day because he threw the wrong ball back in. He threw the ball that had gone out of play and not the one that was on the cone. Hopefully that's going to settle down. I think the the stoppage time looks like it might start to settle down. We had 10 minutes, I think, last Saturday, though, so maybe not too much. Where do you stand on the rule changes this season? Well, I, I've been listening to a few of your pods recently just to get a flavour of how it goes. And um, I know you'd referenced before the um, someone getting books for not using the multi-ball, which was like, wow, you know, I've not, I've not, not noticed that kind of thing. But the first time I realised that this kind of change was coming was... Um, was it the World Cup not too long ago, maybe even last year or early this year, England against Iran? And it was just, was it like 30 odd minutes of, of, of injury time? And I just thought, what's gone on? Um, I, I don't think any time there's a change like this, um, teams always try, as, 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 as with anything, try to get a competitive advantage out of it. And I still don't think teams know what to do because if, if, you, if you were to look at the Tranmere game from Saturday, Massive amounts of, of uh, injury time, or at least it felt like that to us, protecting a lead. And and Trammy were like, well, they're trying to run the ball into the corner flag. What should we do? Should we bring them down and it's a free kick and it's more wasted time? Or how should we play it? So I don't think people have figured out the magic elixir of how to make this added time work for them, you know, and to get, you know, to use substitutions in a more intelligent way to make to keep players fresh but in that extended time. I just don't know. And I suppose you talk about small squads, both Morecambe and Salford are operating on a, a shoestring in terms of number of good senior players that, that they can call upon. These silly bookings, they're going to tot up and we're going to be suffering, aren't we? Come end of September, October, we're going to rack up five bookings and we're going to end up with suspensions. And you'll look back and you'll think, well, hang on a minute, it's not really deserved any of those yellow cards. But you, you can be losing key players very easily if you're not careful. You, you can. It, it makes me even think about um, the Salford's meteoric rise from, from non-league. That if you think about how long it takes a player um, to come through a youth system, let's say they, they brought in as a, an eight-year-old, a ten-year-old, or whatever, they th- those players that we're recruiting with League Two status, they're not going to see our first team for a few years. So we potentially still have people in our youth system who are of age to play first team football, who are recruited when we were, you know, potentially several divisions below where we are, which meant that we attracted probably a lesser quality of player. So that I think that naturally means that our squad is thin outside, as I said, the first 11 to 13 players. And then if you lose a couple of those to silly suspensions for throwing the wrong ball in or, or taking two seconds too long over a free kick, then uh, that's not going to do your promotion uh, or the relegation battle or whatever it might be uh, any good at all. No, for sure. And, and it, it is a worry. Um, but I, I just think, uh, I mean, we've got we've got the Papa John's um, or the EFL trophy, as it may have been renamed. We've got a few competitions to to start using these these younger players in. And I just hope Neil Wood actually tries to blood them and, and isn't just ultra concerned with always putting out his first team. Because if they get a bit more experience, um, I'm just hoping the potential's there for them to have good careers with us. Looking forward to the game very much on Saturday. What crumbs of comfort can you give us that we might be able to cause you some problems? Um, stop, stop Luke Bolton. If you can stop Luke Bolton on the on the right hand side, which Tranmere couldn't do, they were playing Tranmere were playing a four three three, 
and they just couldn't handle the pace of him and they couldn't handle the fact of him getting these give-and-go passes. Um, so if, if you can stop him and if you can keep um, Cal- Callum Hendry from potentially you know, getting into your box somehow and keep him kind of pressed outside it, you've got a chance because I don't think we have the... Um, most confidence this season because we've been so you know too good too bad I don't think we're ha- we, we, the confidence is flying too high so I think you think you've got a not necessarily just just a puncher's chance because um, it's the Jekyll and Hyde situation we are a very very good team in my opinion but I just don't know how we'll be on any given day and we normally play 4-3-3 three, three ourselves or a, a variation of that so uh Uh-oh. Well, oh, indeed. Well, we'll have to uh, make sure we've got uh, got some good reinforcements in the left-back berth then and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Danny, thanks so much for your time, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Just before you My go, pleasure. Uh, give us the the sales pitch one more time for one up front. One up front. So to me, um, yes, it's specifically aimed at the, the fan base for... Salford City, um, of which it's not the biggest fan base, you know, and it, and I hope and it is growing um, as we find more success. But I, the the concepts that I look at tactically, because I picked up so many from other podcasts all across the footballing world, um, and I watch games to such a detailed degree that even if you're not a Salford fan, um, you know, let's say you're in a way fan and you're thinking, oh, we're going to play Salford, I really would encourage you to give it a go because first of all, it will give you more insight as to what's coming. On, on your next game against the against your team, but even as a general football fan, um, there are a lot of concepts in there that fans have come up and said, "Oh, actually, I didn't notice that before you'd mentioned it," and and it may actually help your football, your, your enjoyment of your football watching generally. What made you final question, Danny? Is what what made you want to go into such forensic detail uh, from a tactical point of view ab- about your club? Um, the answer to that is I can't help it. <laughs> so um, you know, like it's, it's it's the old is it is it is it um, the guided catchphrase? Say what you see, uh, Roy Walker. I just if I say, whether I was doing it in a, in a podcast as I am now, which is I prefer actually because I'm probably reaching a wider audience, or I was doing it in literally three or four thousand word almost essays about each game. It had to come out. It had to. I had to share it, um, regardless of um, how many people are interested in it and and the people who do stick with it and the followers are growing um, episode by episode makes me realize that there is a market for it people who love football it's not all just about winning every, you know scoring eight goals and having having eight pints it's it's about watching a game and understanding what's going on and the nuance of the chess battle that's going on right in front of you that's what fascinates me and uh, as you don't mind me saying so it's a very very good listen like you say it's slightly alternative to some other podcasts on the market but uh, one thing is for sure you are left in no doubt by the end of the episode exactly how Salford City lined up in their previous game and how they might line up in the in the future games so uh, I suppose from our Cheers. point of view thank you very much for that because that gives us a, another great insight one up front look for it on Spotify search one up front Salford on Google or, or anywhere else online yeah. and you will see the links to it and uh, the episode so what about an hour long each something like that and uh, but you go into great detail yeah um, I mean it can be it can be as short as half an hour I think some of the pre-season games are skipped over because I knew they weren't a great consequence but in general the recent games there's been quite a lot of although we're staying in the same basic formation there's been quite a lot of rotation um, of just switching switching positions slightly if not the actual personnel so 
I, and, and for me, that brings a whole different dynamic. So, yeah, I reckon an hour, um, which please, if you want to just split it up into two chunks yourself, that's fine if it's a lot to digest, but potentially worthwhile if you love football and you want to just learn a little bit more about the game underneath um, the initial layer of, of, of what's, what, what's, what's publicly available. We'll certainly keep an eye out for that. Danny, thanks so much for your time, my friend. Really appreciate it. Good luck for the season. I think you are going to be in the mix. I think there's going to be a lot of clubs in the mix this season, though, but uh, I think you are going to be there or thereabouts. Uh, good luck after Saturday, of course, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up later in the season where uh, both clubs are in a position that we're very happy with. Magic. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Every kick, every game, every goal. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.